Pray with me, would you? What an incredible promise, God. That you who formed us and you who, who created us still are intimately involved in our lives. God, your word is saying that you, you invite us to speak to you. Even when we don't understand the things that are going on around us, Lord, I think of those disciples that, that Easter Sunday morning, God, rising thinking all their hopes and dreams had been crushed, rising that day without any thought for their future, everything they'd hoped for was gone. But then came this incredible news. Oh God, I pray as we gather this resurrection day today that, that you might grant that, that we too, God, could hear the good news. That, that you might grant that your word which spoke so powerfully to them uh, in the first century would speak to us today as well. And for those who are broken in body that Hope might be found again of your healing for those broken of spirit, God. That hope might be found again today. Jesus, thank you that you know us more intimately than we know ourselves. You know our every thought. You know our every need. Before a word is on our tongue, you know it already. Father, as we gather today, we cry out to you and reveal yourself. Speak to us. Call us by name. And hear our cry this morning, we ask. I thank you that you always hear, God. You invite us, even when... We don't know how to cry out to you. You invite us to speak. Oh, God, together today we offer to you the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Do you remember on Monday, Thursday, when we reminded ourselves that Jesus said, I'm not going to... I'm not going to eat of this bread and drink of this cup again until we eat and drink it together in glory, right? How, how he reminded us of hope that was to come. Beloved, this is the day. Not that we'll eat and drink with him in glory, but that we'll celebrate that everything that the Word of God had prophesied has come true. Christ is risen from the dead. But my question for us as we, as we spend just a few moments today in God's Word is what impact will that have on our life? What impact will that have on the things that we see and the words that we say? What impact will that have on us today? 
to help us. I just wanted to look at a little bit of an unusual place. I wanted to look to one of the lesser known disciples of Jesus. I wanted to, to look at, at Mary just for a second. Because I think in, in Mary we find ourselves, remember we studied Jonah, we said, I am Jonah, right? Well, in a very real sense, we are Mary as well. So I want to just call you to think about this amazing woman with me for a few moments and what her experience of Jesus' resurrection was. I want to just remind you that that, um, that Mary had a troubled past. And I, I take so much comfort from this, right? Because, because not one of us in the room here is, is genuinely worthy of being called a, a follower of Jesus, much less a disciple of Jesus, or even less a, a sent one or an apostle of Jesus. Like Mary, our paths are checkered as well. But oh my goodness, the, the limited uh, insight we have into her history is summed up for us in Luke 8, where, where when she's introduced as one of his disciples, that phrase, from whom seven demons had gone out. This was a tortured woman. This was a, a woman, if, if anyone would have said, this is, this is unredeemable, uh, it would have been Mary. But Jesus changes everything. Amen? Jesus changes everything. It's not so much your past that he's concerned about. What he's concerned about is, is your present and your future. Right? See, Mary had lost all hope. Right? Uh, I, I love the, the way that the... the the movie series, and it is a movie, it's not direct scripture, but the movie series chosen, portrayed. Can you imagine every time that you start to feel like yourself again and then are taken over by a power greater than yourself? Can you imagine the torture? Some of you can. Some of you can. Maybe all of us can. Like Paul, we, we're people who, who are given incredible hope that maybe we can change and then we find ourselves going back to the same thing. We find ourselves stumbling over the same circumstances. And so, so it's very easy to lose hope. But then Mary encountered Jesus. And as we said, Jesus changes everything. Now for the first time, she has hope that she's not a prisoner of everything in her past. She's not even a prisoner of her circumstances in the present, right? Jesus granted her new hope. Now, now what is this word hope? We use it so flippantly, right? I'm sorry for the just pedantic definition, but, but, but I want to suggest to you that hope is that a vision of a preferred future. A vision of a preferred future. Sometimes the disappointment um, comes and we wonder if, if we really can put our trust in hope. But do you remember Paul in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13? Um, granted, a vision of what love was like. Do you remember that? Uh, do you remember love is patient? Love is kind, right? 
Love is not envious. And, and we thought, oh my goodness, what, what a vision for a future. And, and then we discovered together that, 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 that you, can, you can experience that love by substituting Jesus' name, right? By recognizing that, that Jesus is all those things. Jesus is, uh, is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. And, and, and we discovered an access. We found a way to experience that love. And then we were challenged ourselves now as followers of Jesus to, to substitute our name into 1 Corinthians 13. I can't even say this, right? Because I've got about 15 witnesses here who will deny it in, in front of you. Um, Dave is patient. Dave, do you see the challenge, right? But he said these three remain, didn't he? Faith, hope, and, and love. I guess where I'm going with this is that, that Jesus is our hope. Just as he is love. When Jesus came into Mary's life, he gave her an amazing vision of a beautiful future. I think that's why I think that's why it's so difficult when our hopes are dashed, right? You see, unrealized hope may be one of the most painful things that we go through. In life, and many of us honestly have chosen not to hope, right? Because we don't want to risk those hopes being crushed. Well, sometimes, sometimes disappointment comes from things that are rather insignificant. Um, other times, our hopes are dashed by life-altering trials. Yesterday, I was. Meeting a friend at a at Parlor Donuts, and um, I, I have not gotten into Parlor Donuts um, too much. <laughs> I hope I'm not causing anybody to stumble here today. Um, those aren't donuts, right? Those are masses of sugar, and, and 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 a heart attack on a plate, right? And so, in in my high horse. I, I said, I am not going to succumb to this temptation to parlor donuts. And, uh, and then I was going to order just a, a coffee, and I was going to order a decaf coffee at that to show you how righteous I am, right? And, uh, and, but then I stood there, and there's like glass surrounding me, and there's rows and rows of parlor donuts. And, and, um, and there was bourbon Caramel. There was there was like raspberry. Um, uh, what is that? What is that nut? Oh my goodness! That green nut. Uh, oh, don't so. Uh, I, I I I I had some standards left. I did not. I did not succumb. So so because of my guest that was going to come, of course, not for myself. I, I ordered a couple of, of parlor donuts, but my guest was a little bit late. <laughs> and here's this beautiful parlor donut box with 
evidence smeared on the top of the box, right, of, of caramel. And uh, uh, I succumbed. I, um, I looked at the box, and, and right as I'm thinking about stashing the box in the trash, um, my guest came in, and, and I was busted. No more donuts. No more donuts. I'll meet you, by the way, at parlor immediately following Sunday school this morning. Right? But, but I, I'm used to it. my hopes of being dashed. I mean, I root for UCLA, right? So, so um, I had that disappointment of getting so close and then having my hopes dashed again. But, but it's not just parlor donuts or. or Sporting events, right, that dash our hopes. Every September 11th, we see a vision of, of buildings collapsing, and, and we realize that our world changed on that day, didn't it? And think about all the events since then. Every day when I turn on my TV, I see renewed bombs falling on Kiev and, and, and war raging in Ukraine. I... I feel my hopes crushed, right? Many of you, even in this last year, have had to stand my little mound of dirt and, and, and let go of a hope and a dream that was so precious to you, a person that was so... So do you understand what, what Mary was going through that Easter morning, right? She had put all her hope in this man. And, and, and now she was having to go and anoint his body for burial. And all the Gospels record this. Each one brings unique little aspects. It's so much fun to put them side by side and see what different dimensions each one adds. But, but especially John today says that, that early in the morning on on what we now call Easter or Resurrection Day, Mary, what was still dark, got up with other women. I added all the Gospels together. It looked like six of them, and four of them were called Mary. Four of them were named Mary. And they made their way to the tomb, right? But when they got to the tomb, um, you, you know how you expect to see one thing, and then when you see something else, you just can't process it. Uh, when they got to the tomb, expecting to see the stone covering the entrance to the tomb, um, it was rolled away. And, 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 and the tomb door was open, right? And her first thought, her first thought is how much more pain can I possibly bear? They've come and they've taken his body. Now, if you carefully put together all of the accounts, all four of those accounts, then you realize that she took off at that point. She took off and ran back to where Peter and the other disciples were and, and, and told them the stone's been rolled away, right? They've, they've taken his body and, and, and Peter and, and, and John began to run. And there's so much good stuff in here. Um, you got to remember that, that um, these disciples were very young, very young. Several, several scriptures give us evidence that most of them were under 18, right? Peter might be one of the exceptions, might be the only exception, over 18 and, and married. And, 
And they're taken off. And wouldn't you know, you've got a lot of track stars in the room right here. Um, the younger one got there first. And he peered in. John got there first and looked into the tomb. And I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but he did not enter the tomb, which probably means he saw the pile of grave clothes there and, and assumed that, that Mary was wrong, right? That, that um, it, the, the scripture actually says he believed, but I'm not sure he believed the resurrection. I think, excuse me, I think he believed Mary was right. I think he's saying that the, the body is not there. Someone has taken Jesus. And, and um, Peter then comes up and Peter goes right in. Peter never stopped for any door, right? If he was coming in today, he'd go right through those glass doors in the back. And, and he goes in and sees that, indeed, the, the, um, the body is not there. The, the grave clothes are as if the body had, had just been taken from them, with one exception. And this, by the way, is, is probably the reason that the Shroud of Turin could not be possibly be the, the wrapping of Jesus, that the face cloth, the napkin that had been over his face, was neatly folded. Peter marveled. John apparently believed that she was correct, that the body was gone, right? The scripture is just really clear. John just points out to us right then. They did not understand that Jesus would rise from the dead. He had told them over and over again, this is what must happen. But they did not understand. So, so John and Peter go home. Go home. But Mary stays. And, and grief just overwhelms her. And, and, and she finally, this is the first time that John records that she looked into the tomb. She looks into the tomb and, and sees angels sitting there, and they, they ask her just this amazing question, right? Woman, why are you weeping? And again, I'm so tempted to say, what is the matter with you, angels, right? Um, I'm, I'm grieving. And probably some of you in a similar situation like this have said, come on, get over it. Stop grieving, right? And, and it's clear that they do not understand the love that you have. For the ones you're grieving for. And she said to the angels, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And having said this, she turned around. I couldn't help but think, Kathy, um, um, the angels are looking at her and saying, um, Woman, why are you grieving? I'm looking right at you when I'm saying that, right? But what if I did this? Woman, why, am I, why are you grieving? What would you do, Kathy? You probably would look where I'm looking, right? You pro I'm looking past you, right? She turned around. And there was a man standing right next to her. question all of a sudden starts to make sense, doesn't it? 
But but we've all been there. We, we're so broken. We're, we can't see straight, right? Tears are streaming down our face. She looks at the man standing next to her and 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 says the same line, thinking him he's the gardener. She says, you know, they, they take this body. Where have you laid him? I will, I will pick him up. I will carry him, right? He had Jesus, maybe 175 pounds, and 100 pounds of, of spices and linen. Um, uh, not likely, not likely. Um, but all she wanted was to be with her Savior. And, and the man repeats the question. Why? Why are you weeping? Right? She doesn't understand until he says one thing. One little word. Right? Translates in your Bible. Um, Mary. And throughout this passage, she's called Mary. But... But that's not actually the word that he said. He called her by her Hebrew name, which translates roughly into Aramaic as well. He said, Miriam. He said, Miriam. I go by um, Dave around here, and, 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 and I like the name. I, I chose that name. But when someone says, I'm hesitant to tell you this, when someone says, David, ding, ding, why? Because only my mom and dad call me David. <laughs> yeah, well, then I'm in trouble. When I use the middle name, I'm in trouble. But when they say David, I know it's them. I have created you. I have formed you. I have called you by name, right? Miriam, he said. Miriam. And she turned, Rabboni. Rabboni, my master. My master, right? Oh, in your Sunday school classes, you'll explore more dimensions of this. In your small groups this week, you'll explore more dimensions of this. She grabbed onto him, right? And it's like, is it, is, and unfortunately, I think the NIV even translates it that way. Don't touch me. No, don't. Don't cling to me, right? I've not yet ascended. This is not the time for clinging. This is the time to engage our hope, right? Many of us come to Easter Sunday morning like Mary, right? In need of renewed hope. Life has not been easy. We face incredible challenge. Some of you have experienced devastating loss. This year, many of you, your closest relationships have suffered. Some of you have had to come to terms with a diagnosis that made your future uncertain. Some of you have had to wrestle with legal uh, statements that have nothing to do with you, and yet you suffer for them. All of this against the backdrop of a pandemic that's kind of sucked the hope out of us, hasn't it? These things and, and so much more can be so heavy that they make us question whether God still cares about us and is still working in the world. But the gospel tells us that right in the middle of Mary's darkest hour, right in the middle of Peter and John's darkest hour comes the light of hope. 
And I want to suggest to you that hope often comes when you least expect it. When you least expect it. Jesus appears when we least expect him. You see, Jesus' death was our redemption. Our redemption. I'm going to throw a bunch of words at you real quickly, but I want you to to see how they fit together. His death was our redemption. We know, and, and they knew, the wages of sin is death. But Christ took our death upon himself and paid the price or redeemed our sin. Right? So in rising from the dead, he broke the power of sin, of disease, of even death over us. It's like... It's like when he said it is finished, the, the price was paid. And I'm so tempted to think that now the resurrection is the little receipt that we get, right? But it's not. That's coming. We're going to celebrate that on Pentecost. We're going to get a seal that says, uh, you are mine on Pentecost. But there's so much more than just redemption in the Easter story, right? Christ carried our cross. He took our burden upon Himself. Christ canceled our sin. It is no more. Wait a second. I've sinned since I I last confessed. Hey, Christ died for our sins past, present, and future. He canceled the power of sin over us. But I wanted to put Isaiah 43 together with this resurrection story today. Because there's more. There's more. <laughs> like, we, like we said in the service, it would have been enough, right? One of these things would have been enough. It would have been enough that he carried our cross. It would have been enough that he canceled our sins. But he also calls us by name. We're standing outside the, the open tomb, the open wounds, as it were, of our brokenness Christ calls us by name. And that would be enough. But there's more. He calls us His own. His own. You are mine, God said through Isaiah, 800 years before the time of Christ. Christ calls us His own. And He commissions us to bring hope to others. I love the story of Mary. Because Mary had a troubled past, yes. But her past did not disqualify her from being the first witness of the resurrected Jesus. She, Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had been counted out, was the first person who saw the resurrected Jesus. Oh, up to 500 more would in the days following. But she was the first. It's almost as if God says, I'm going to go to the brokenhearted first. I'm going to go to those who've lost all hope first. I want you to know that I have overcome. Her past didn't disqualify her from being the first witness, and her past didn't disqualify her from being his first commissioned messenger. Go and tell my disciples that I have risen. I will meet them in Galilee. 
Worship team, come on up if you would. So I want to, I want to, they just had a heart attack because it's like 10 minutes before the hour. Um, I want to ask you the same question that the angels asked Mary this morning. I want to ask you the same question that Jesus asked Mary, right? Whom are you seeking? Whom are you seeking this morning? So many of us want, want God in a paper bag. We want just, just six ounces, please, of God. He used to deliver meat, right? I, I want just a, a, a filet, if it, but I don't want the whole thing. I don't want all of Jesus, right? Um, Jesus is offering you today all of himself. He is our suffering servant. He is our sacrificial lamb. He is our risen Savior. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the great invitation of God today is that you would hear Him call your name. Pray with me, would you? Oh, God, thank you so much for this day. After walking with you these 40 days and, and hearing incredible things, experiencing incredible things, and suffering incredible things, you brought us to this day to remind us that you created us. You formed us. You redeemed us. You paid the price for our sin. You call us by name. And we are yours. Jesus, we believe you are the Messiah. We believe that you rose from the dead. We believe that just as it's powerful when we hear you call our name. It's incredible when we call your beautiful name. So Jesus, as, as we begin the rest of our lives today, I pray for those who not yet surrendered their will to yours. I pray, God, and we pray amazing grace would fill this room. And you would just grant us the courage to say, I'm tired of, of living my life for myself. I'm tired of controlling my own existence. God, I've proved to you that I cannot do it. Would you, would you take over my life? Would you save me from my sin, Jesus, and be Lord over my life? I believe you died for my sin. I believe God raised you from the dead to prove that to be true. God, may today be the first day of the rest of my life. Live not for myself any longer, but for you. And God, I pray also for those of us who have known you for such a long time. 
that you would remind us today that we are your voice. We are your hands. We are your feet in a world today. If we won't share the name of Jesus, then no one's going to be able to hear that beautiful name. So put your words in our mouth. I pray that wherever we go, we might boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. I pray that in generations to come, people would, would hear our testimony and be delivered from the power of darkness. So we love you, God. And on this amazing resurrection day, there's one word on our lips. In the name of Jesus.